Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven ring Ring with the harmonies of liberty Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies let it resound loud as a rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the presence has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Welcome to the Nine Points Podcast. I'm your host, BH. We at the Nine Points Podcast receive our inspiration from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. This scripture speaks to nine fruits of the Spirit of God and is read as follows. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We at the Nine Points Podcast try to promote these principles out of the obedience to God and as a way to raise, sustain, and celebrate our unique families. Today's podcast is going to have two segments. I've got a this first segment that I'm going to lead, and then the next one is going to be Z time. Um, a couple of things fell through this week, um, but maybe as early as next week we will start having <clears throat> we'll start having collaborations uh, with the third segment, or depending on how long that collaboration is, it might just fall back to like two segments. But I'm going to continue to have Z time. Um, this first segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about, it's going to start off with a discussion about the Good Samaritan, but I'm also going to discuss aspects of how um, certain things happen in society that can, that kind of relate to the Good Samaritan. And, um, and then Z time, it's going to be myself and King, and we're going to talk about a book that, that I encouraged him to read. Now, I will admit to you, I have not read that entire book. I've read parts of it. And when I've read other uh, other works um, related to C.S. Lewis, um, I've seen him talk about that book. Um, but I haven't read it myself. So when I hear King talk about his perspective, um, I'm really interested in his perspective because he has a habit of saying what what's on his mind. Uh, without a filter, and it is unless he, <clears throat> excuse me, unless he's worried, his perspective is usually spot on. Very, you know, I might not always agree with it, but I, I definitely respect it. <coughs> so, um, and then finally, after Z time, I will make a brief announcement about my novel uh, because I did was able to look at the proofs this week. So I'll talk about that. But first and foremost, this first segment is related to the Sunday school lesson from October the 18th. 
um, loving your neighbor. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Now, the source that I'm getting most of this information I'm going to share with you is the Jesus and me teacher's guide that I'm reading. And that's from the created by the Urban Ministries Incorporated. <clears throat> this teacher's guide, as well as the classroom Sunday school books, come out every three months. And today's lesson comes from the quarterly edition called Love for One Another. Today's lesson, uh, the October, well, the October 18th lesson was entitled Loving Your Neighbor. And the key verse came from Luke chapter 10, verses 36 and 37. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. The context is this passage talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, the road to Jericho, specifically physically, the road to Jericho is about 18 miles apart, but there were geographical factors to deal with in that day. First of all, uh, Jerusalem sits on a higher elevation than Jericho. The road that connected these two places was very steep, full of sharp turns, uh, several ravines and caves. Now, if you grew up in the city like I did and not really sure what a ravine is, the dictionary says that it is a deep, narrow gorge with steep sides. If it's hard to picture to get a picture of what a gorge is, the Internet says that a ravine is narrower than a canyon, larger than a gully and smaller than a valley. So basically, the road connecting Jerusalem to Jericho was steep, rocky and difficult to travel by natural factors. What you also need to know is that at that time, that path was notorious for robbers. People with bad intentions would hide in blind spots and wait for opportunities to ambush uh, strangers or their neighbors. So this scripture is coming from Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. What I'll be reading is from the New International Version. I think it's important to point that out because um, there are certain times when I'm reading from the Bible and I read scripture and and I'm like, man, that does not sound like when I grew up adding a, a word here or a word there can sometimes change in my mind, can kind of change the whole what well, kind of can kind of take away from the momentum that that was building up to that point when a little word is changed here or there. But anyway, just so that, you know, again, this is from the New International Version, the parable of the Good Samaritan. What I'm about to read right now is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. And then after I finish 29, I'm going to read a segment. Uh, I'm going to read those four and then I'm going to read a little bit from the commentary that's in my teacher's guide. So, again, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 29 reads as follows. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? The teacher's guide uses a couple of important terms to understand the conversation that's going on here. The guide says, The lawyer knows the answer to the question, Who is my neighbor? From that, the guide says that Jesus recognizes that the lawyer knows the law theoretically, but not experientially. Experiential means based on experience and observation. Theoretical means concerned with or involving the theory of a subject rather than its practical application. Now, I'm about to share my own personal commentary on this because um, I felt the need to reach out and get an operational definition of what experiential and theoretical means because that wasn't in the teacher's guide. Um, so to paraphrase, to know something theoretically means that in theory, if I apply this specific behavior to this hypothetical challenge, then the solution will be uh, predictable. Theoretically, all votes matter. One vote per person and all eligible voters should have equal ability had to have their vote count. The highest number of votes in a state carries the electoral votes for the state. Experientially, there is one location for a person to hand deliver an absentee ballot for the entire county of some metropolitan areas that have populations in excess of one million people. Theoretically, if a bully puts their hands on your child and your child tells the proper authority figures about what happened, then the bully will be reprimanded and then leave your child alone. Experientially, I personally, when I was in the sixth grade, was bullied by a high schooler on my bus. I told the authorities. I actually went to the bully's house to tell his parents. The bullying didn't stop. In fact, it got worse because now he got the chance to get on the bus and tell everybody that I was a crybaby and a tattletale and I went to go try to tell my try to go tell on him. So theoretically, I did the right thing. Experientially, was it the right thing? Did I get the results I needed? Did I earn the respect of the bully by doing that? That's to be, you know, that's for you to determine. Theoretically, a person should be able to collaborate with a Democrat, a Republican, an independent, an evangelical, a Muslim, an atheist, a nonpartisan judge, or anyone else who is a law-abiding American citizen that shares a common desire to improve the plight of that person's ethnic subculture whenever the opportunity presents itself. Experientially, however, an artist who brought issues of police brutality and the epidemic of poverty of minority neighborhoods into the national spotlight for over 30 years is now having to prove his loyalty to the black community because he decided to meet with some Republicans. Theoretically, an African-American detective in Louisville 
who is in pursuit of a criminal who is running away from him should not be shot by the police. Experientially, however, this African-American Louisville police detective who exclaimed to his fellow officers arriving on the scene that he was a police officer got shot. His finger was either shot off or had to be amputated because he was on the receiving end of friendly fire. I remember what happened to Ricky because before he became a detective for LMPD, he had been in a relationship, a long relationship, years and years of relationship with my aunt. I always liked Ricky. Now, my understanding is that the officer who shot Ricky that day was really, really sick about what he did. I'm sharing these personal life experiences with you because I want to give you tangible examples of how what you see on paper might look really nice. But we can't rely on policies or subjectivity when it comes to the convictions of a person's heart and their subsequent behaviors triggered by those convictions. Okay, now. Like I said, verses 25 through 29 started with talking about the Good Samaritan. I, you know, I talked about the Good Samaritan. Then I talked about what experiential versus um, experiential versus theoretical means. And then I gave some some real life context to it. Now I'm about to go back to scripture. I'm going to pick up on verse 30. These are verses 30 through 35, again, according to the New International Version. Luke chapter 10, I'm about to start reading verses 30 to 35. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So, too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive and wine, pouring on olive and oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, what I'm about to read right now, this comes from the teacher's guide, okay? And I didn't know this. Priests were not allowed to touch a corpse. Back in that day, at this time when this happened, when they said the priest and the Levite walked by, everybody should know. Priests were not allowed to touch a corpse. Pharisees even believed that if the shadow of a corpse fell on a person, it made that person impure. So the argument can be made in the case of the priest and the Levite that if they saw someone in that condition and thought that they might be dead, they would not have wanted to risk defiling themselves. Okay, 
Now, I know that those rules might sound silly to most of us today. This is me speaking. This isn't from the commentary right now. I know that these rules sound silly to most of us today. I would argue, however, that every age follows customs that seem absurd to people who come later. My ancestors were regularly charged with breaking the law when they ran away from slavery. I don't remember if it was Miss Unseld, who was one of my middle school social studies teachers, or if it was Dr. Pearson, who was one of my integrated studies teachers in college that mentioned what I'm about to say. Uh, she mentioned this to our class. OK, what I do remember is that one of these strong women explained to our class that African-American slaves who were themselves stolen or kidnapped from their civilization would be charged in America with stealing themselves if they were caught running away from the plantations. How are you going to steal yourself? I mean, if you want to argue the legality of the law being the law and therefore worthy to be adhered to, wouldn't the same system of law have, the, have to have some sort of protection against kidnapping that superseded the rights of the property owners? When we visited <clears throat> also, when we visited the Harriet Tubman Museum in Macon, Georgia last year, they had a brief movie uh, that they showed about a woman who escaped slavery and even got her husband, helped her husband escape uh, by pretending to be a white man. Um, I heard <clears throat> a term in that movie that I had never heard before, and I think that it's worth sharing again, because this puts into context how certain things that seem right for the day. In time people like how did anybody ever believe that here's the term and i might be saying it wrong it's drapetomania you guys look it up on your own i'm going to spell it for you d-r-a-p-e-t-o-m-a-n-i-a drapetomania wikipedia defines drapetomania as a conjectural mental illness that in 1851, American physician Samuel A. Cartwright hypothesized as the cause of enslaved Africans fleeing captivity. Contemporarily reprinted in the South, Cartwright's article was widely mocked and satirized in the northern United States. The concept has since been debunked as pseudoscience and shown to be part of the edifice of science scientific racism. I would not be surprised if we really think about it for a moment, but it wouldn't shock me to find some type of custom or made up condition like drapetomania that has existed and still goes on today, which directly contributes to mistreatment of others. Now, finally, I'm going, I'm about to go back to verses 36 and 37 Again, related to the parable of the Good Samaritan. This will be Luke chapter 10, and I'm about to read verses 36 and 37 and add some commentary. Verses 36 and 37 reads, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
It seems to me that Jesus was speaking to this situation here. Jesus knew all about what the Levites, Pharisees, and priests believe and why they obeyed these laws. There are times when we can respect man's laws while also placing God's command of loving thy neighbor as thyself on a higher priority. All of us have to make decisions every day based on moral and legal factors. Sometimes we find ourselves where what is morally right and what is lawfully right sit at a crossroads. I live in Louisville. This is where Brianna Taylor lived and died. What I know and accept in my heart is the fact that it is lawful for police officers to serve a warrant at the residence of a person who has not broken the law even at midnight if they see fit. Morally, however, I would never go to another person's house at midnight unannounced unless I'm in dire straits. In other words, I would not do it if I could otherwise do the same thing at a more reasonable time of day. I'll give you another hot button example of something that is lawful, but may seem immoral to people. Look at how divided this country is when it comes to pro-choice versus pro-life. That is a very contentious fight. Federally speaking, it is lawful for a pregnant woman to choose to sustain the life of the child growing inside of her or to seek an abortion. Morally speaking, on a federal, local, and personal level, people feel very strongly that abortion should not be lawful. You and I did not make this kind of situation up. We were all born into it. Based on what today's Sunday school lesson says about the life and times of people living in Jesus's day, they too found themselves staring at the crossroads of doing what is lawful and what is morally right. Some choices require us to take a stand. Sometimes we must be intentional, knowing full well that our willful actions will contribute directly or indirectly to upsetting someone else's apple cart. Parents upset their kids' apple carts on a regular basis, even though the kids insist that they're being unfair. Protesters upset the apple carts of people who hold positions of power when they believe that certain practices are unfair. Union members may upset the apple carts of their employers by taking a stand against certain practices that they believe are unfair. Don't pump your fists and get mad at the crossroads. The crossroads are neutral and must be respected no matter how we got there. This is precisely why Jesus explains that the person who attended to the needs of the person who had been beaten and robbed was acting like a good neighbor. How I choose to go about tending to your concerns is where the path to collaboration begin. It boils down to do you have your family do you want your family to live on the wrong side of the drapetomania argument? To be frank, I do not even want my enemy to find his or herself living on either side of the drapetomania argument because it's so 
it's so crazy and potentially so dangerous. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, forbearance, and self-control. In this segment, I talked about social issues because I knew that these are things that people cannot stop talking about. I wanted to get your attention and get your passions going. Now that you're paying attention, you may be asking yourself, how does any of this relate to my family? How does any of this relate to the fruit of the spirit? And I would say that the common thread for all of these things relates to expediency versus justice. The passage about the Good Samaritan demonstrated the importance of goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, kindness and forbearance. I included forbearance in there because the Good Samaritan sacrificed his own financial resources for this stranger. The fruit of the spirit contributed to this Good Samaritan having a good attitude. Likewise, when I choose to sacrifice for my own family, my attitude should be positive. The Good Samaritan had a positive attitude when he helped the man on the side of the road. It took courage and diligence to put someone else's needs above his own. The political stuff and personal testimonies that I shared was done to highlight how doing the right or legal thing does not always translate to immediate gratification. In fact, doing the right or legal thing seldom comes without a hidden cost. It may be speaking out against hypocrisy when most of your constituents or relatives want you to just turn a blind eye to it. It may be voting for the lesser of two evils instead of supporting the party. It may be apologizing to your child when you hear that inner voice telling you that you crossed the line when you called yourself giving your child some tough love. I am a parent with a set of teenage twins and two of our three kids are on the autistic spectrum. By far, the toughest love that I have ever had to apply in my family was tough love, tough love towards myself. Did I do what they needed or did I do what was most expedient for myself at the time? That is where I'm going to end this particular segment. Did I do what they needed? Did I do what was needed in that moment or did I do what was most expedient? My natural inclination is to give myself a pass and say that it was a little bit of both. And there are, I will say, there are times where you can have both, but sometimes you have to choose either or. Do you want to choose expediency or do you want to choose justice? Do you want to choose expediency or do you want to choose the to defend what the law was intent, the spirit of the law that was intended when it was written down? That is what we that's what we need to do in our homes. We need to see have our kids watch us and witness us struggle with that with that sometimes. What I know I need to do might not be what I feel like doing. My kids need to see me being the bigger person even when I have to congratulate somebody that's a bad sport, somebody that's a cheat, somebody that does things that I don't respect. I would want to think that I could do that for my child. 
when they make mistakes, when they go out of their way to make mistakes and the reality catches up with them and they genuinely want to do better. I need to have a good attitude when I'm sacrificing for my family. And the best way to have a good attitude is to make sure if I'm going to spend a lot of time following political things and uh, news of the day, I need to put in time daily with my Bible, possibly having Bible study with other people that care about the word and being ready and willing to have conversations every every once in a while with people outside of my home so that I don't become too opinionated and arrogant to recognize that what I believe right now might not be the whole story so that I'll be open to be to be uh, useful in a situation that benefits somebody other than just myself and my immediate gratification. So thank you for sitting through this going on 28 minute segment of today's podcast. The next segment will be Z time. And like I said, Z time with a little, little added about my novel. Stony the road we chart, bitter the chasing rock, built in the day when hope unborn had died. Yet with a steady beat, have not our weary feet come to the place for which our fathers died. We have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out with our gloomy past till now we stand at last where the white gleam of our bright star is cast. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's podcast i am bh and i'm and i'm joined right now by my son king and right now we're gonna talk we're just basically gonna talk a little bit about this book that king was reading and just kind of have some discussions that come from that book um king why don't you tell everybody the name of the book and the author the name of the book is it's about the abolition of man and it was made and it was made by C.S. Lewis or Clive Staples Lewis okay let me I'll read the back of this book Clive Staples Lewis was one of the intellectual giants of the 20th century and arguably the most influential Christian writer of his day. He was a fellow and tutor in English literature at Oxford University until 1954, when he was unanimously elected to the chair of medieval and Renaissance English at Cambridge University, a position he held until his retirement. He wrote more than 30 books, allowing him to reach a vast audience and his works continue to attract thousands of new readers every year. 
His most distinguished and popular accomplishments include The Chronicles of Narnia, Out of the Silent Planet, The Four Loves, The Screwtape Letters, and Mere Christianity. So, this book is called The Abolition of Man. And I had um, offered this book to my son to read because the last couple of weeks we've been having a bunch of discussions about things that are going on in the world, um, things that are things that are curious, things that are interesting, how certain things seem to be a little confusing and other things are just downright um, offensive. And I and I talked to him and I said, I don't want you to get too distracted by, you know, the whirlwind of things that are going on in this world. A lot of times it's okay to to get to be informed about things and it's okay to want to pursue knowledge. But there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Um, If you're reading stuff and all you do is find yourself getting more and more uh, anxious then you need to take time to step away from that and fill your mind and fill your day with things that don't just get you revved up all the time. Wisdom brings a piece of, I don't, I don't know if peace is the right word or it kind of wisdom kind of gives something that just knowledge doesn't. It gives perspective. It gives perspective to the information and a perspective that can help us to be calm when we need to be calm and be bold all the time, whether we're in a holding pattern or where we're, whether we're moving forward. So since I've got several CS Lewis books at home, um, I had this, this one sitting at the, at the um, right next to my bed. So I handed him this and said, why don't you read this for a little bit and we'll talk about it on the podcast. So that is how we got here. And King, why don't you tell the people uh, so far some of the things that have stood out about this particular book? It gives some. In my hypothesis, it seems that this book is discussing about man's quest for knowledge. And, well, a lot of cultures have been doing some of the same things. So different cultures all around the world and different cultures from the beginning of time have it in common. One common part of all of us is the pursuit of knowledge, right? That is correct. And does it kind of, is it anything that you, does it say anything about any specific culture that seems very different from what we do? Or, I mean, what what do, have some people done in the pursuit of knowledge? I guess that'll be a question. I think some people... Not exactly sure because I wasn't born during around their time, but they don't they all didn't use the same type of methods. I think 
Well, I'm not exactly sure. Let me, let me think of another way, to, another way to ask. Do you think that if somebody... Okay, I'll ask you a question. Do you think that somebody can be homeschooled and get as much and as much knowledge and much as much experience as someone that goes to a public or private school this is something i this is something that i notice and can explain when you're homeschooled you have a lot of distractions everything these days are online so whenever if it's online or or if you just step away from your work there's a lot of distractions but meanwhile in public school the amount of distractions are limited and there's a teacher and maybe some other staff members that can that can take away these distractions and help you and help you focus more okay for the sake of being fair, for the sake of being as fair as I can, have you, were you homeschooled or did you go to school in the public, like public school, private school or something like that? Did, my, did you get, did you get, in other words, were you raised in indoors by family and people that we hired or did you get on a bus and go to school? For most of my for most of my K to twelve years, I did go out of the house by being picked up by a bus and dropped off to school. Okay, now I have I have vivid memories of you talking about your experiences at school and referring to, referring it to a war zone and um, Vietnam High and murder middle school and um you had you know you made stories about um like being dropped in like you're on a military helicopter and and them having to come and scoop you up and stuff so so there are distractions at school there are distractions getting back and forth to school there are distractions that go that come with getting an education away from home that you don't have to deal with if you are in home. Wouldn't that be fair? Yeah, I I think it's fair. Okay. So given that you and I both left the home to go to school all the days of our lives, it's we have a biased opinion of what it might be like to be homeschooled because we don't have any experience whatsoever being homeschooled. It might be true that they have less distractions than the distractions that we have to deal with, especially if you got to catch the bus to school. If you don't, if your parents can't drop you off, um, it's a lot that goes on that, um, that you don't have to deal with, with homeschool. But anyway, the reason I asked that question is, the pursuit of knowledge is something that happens when you're homeschooled. It happens when you go away to school 
And it happens when you have free time. What do you want to pay attention to? What do you want to concentrate on? What do you think is worth investing your mind and your attention? And there are all kinds of ways to get knowledge. There's all kinds of ways to find peace. Would you agree with that? I would agree. Uh, what were some of the points that, uh, well, are there, is there anything that you can remember that really stood out from the book that well, what you've read so far where you was like, wow, I hadn't really thought about that before? So far, so far, I haven't really remembered too much. I mean, it's a good book, but. Sometimes my mind just chooses when to focus or not focus, even though I am making it clear that I'm interested in this book. I still have some more reading to do. Okay, now, son, what, in your opinion, what are some of the distinctions between knowledge and wisdom? Do you think that do you think knowledge and wisdom are very similar or do you think they're very different? I actually thought they were the same thing. Knowledge is information that you get, but but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Wisdom on the other hand isn't just true, isn't just facts, isn't just like facts being told. But it's 100% raw truth. And that, and that getting knowledge only gets better and better. So, <clears throat> so getting knowledge, when you say knowledge is like you can get better and better. And that's the best you can hope for with knowledge. I, I think what I'm, what I'm hearing you say, and I'm kind of going to paraphrase is, when you have wisdom, you don't feel like you got to get more. When you have wisdom, there's kind of like there's an awareness and a, a closure. It's like now that I absolutely know this, then that brings more brings more enlightenment to these other things. I don't it's not like you have to have more of it. It just seems like wisdom itself just brings more knowledge and insight to a whole lot of other things you hadn't been thinking about. That's what I think. What do you think about that? Yeah, that sounds more accurate. Now, do you think that knowledge, do you think that having some knowledge, but not enough knowledge is a good thing or a bad thing? I think you need as much knowledge as you can get. So your eyes are very, very open and you know about upcoming events and stuff. Okay. Uh, you know, I think that there are some times where a little bit of knowledge given without the proper context can be a bad thing. For example, if I were to, if I were to, um, spend a lot of time away from home, not around my family, but I make sure that you guys um, learn how to, well, I don't know if that's the best example or not. 
if I have enough, if I have enough information to question somebody else and what they do, that knowledge doesn't necessarily help me to understand what I need to do, be doing better myself uh, is what I'm what I was trying to get at. I think that there are times when we are. Um, there are times when I can find out I can have just enough information to be dangerous to myself, but I could. Once I get a little bit and think I know more than I actually do, then I could go into a situation and make it a lot worse. So that's why I was wanting to have the conversation with you about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. When you have wisdom, it gives you a perspective. It gives you a. It orders your steps in a way that just finding knowledge can't. Now, do you think a person can become wise without getting a lot of intelligence? No, I do not think that's how it works. You're going to have to be willing to get smarter if you want wisdom. Okay. You know, I tend to agree with you. I tend to agree with you. Yet, I also have to add that there are times when you guys teach me things that college didn't teach me and my other relationships didn't teach me. And you guys are, I'm spending so much time trying to to educate and help you all. But you guys, meaning my meaning my kids, you guys reveal things about me that I didn't take time to look at myself and, and uh, you contribute to make my life better. Give me a sense of wisdom and understanding that I didn't have when I was younger. So that's about all I can think of. Is it anything you wanted to add anything you wanted to ask me before we sign off today or anything that you wanted to um, add to, to put a button on this conversation? I myself, I'm trying to get more wisdom. I mean, of course, I don't want to be overly paranoid or or get the wrong info, but as I hike, as I hike closer to God, I... I'll be collecting some more knowledge along the way. All right, King. I appreciate your feedback as always. You represented Z-Time very, very well, holding it down. And, um, you know, the more I think about it, instead of adding that part about the the novel to this segment, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this segment up. And then the last segment will just strictly be kind of like just an update, just a little information, uh, an advertisement really for the uh, upcoming novel. So thanks, King. You're welcome. You're welcome, (laughs) BH. All right. I'm going to close this and then I'll be right back. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, Thou who has brought us thus far on the way, Thou who has by thy mind.
into the light. Keep us forever in the path we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places our God where we met thee. Lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadow beneath thy hand may we forever stand. True to our God, true to our native land. Hey everybody, this is BH. Welcome back to the third and final uh, segment of today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening to its entirety. I'm looking forward to us having another podcast uh, the following week. Hopefully it will be a collaboration. Understand that there are going to be some, there's going to be a learning experience along the way. The only collaborations that I've done so far uh, involve my dad and having his stream uh, sync with my stream took a little extra time, uh, a little different than just doing it from one location. I don't, and I'm not totally sure how much of it was due to uh, his Wi-Fi and my Wi-Fi and the speed and stuff. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how things work out when I'm uh, collaborating with other people. But in addition to that, I just wanted to let you guys know that I have a novel uh, coming out really soon. Well, actually, it's going to be the second novel that I've ever written. It's coming out really soon. And the novel is called Lord's Shelter. The novel is called Lord's Shelter. It should be coming out within the next, definitely within the next couple of weeks. Um, I'm speaking about it right now because this week I saw the proofs of the proofs for the, you know, the sleeve, the um, the cover and the back sleeve. And I really, you know, I liked a lot of it. I liked how it looked, um, but I had to send it back because I wanted some a little bit of that to change. And then there was a little bit when I actually read the manuscript, there are a couple of things that needed to be changed. So I sent those back to be, uh, you know, to be worked out. And then once those things are worked out, I'll go ahead and give the OK. And I'll tell you more about um, where to find it and um, how to, you know, how to purchase it. You know, if you're able to do so, I'd love it. You know, I'd really love if you could support us by uh, purchasing, you know, by purchasing this novel. Um, but it's called Lord's shelter. And since you all are on the podcast, I'll tell you some things that are not on the sleeve uh, of the book. What it's about is a family that a, a person passed away. A person passes away in the early summer of one year. And this is the first Christmas of uh, this family celebrates without this person. And what makes it especially, um, I guess, unique and hard for some people is the fact that the person who passed away, his birthday was December the 25th. So this book, Lord's Shelter, is all about how this person's family um, moves on without the person, some of the challenges of being there, some of the inspiration. And Lord Shelter is about how 
sometimes when we're at when we're fighting the hardest and things seem the seem the hardest on us, we never know the breakthrough that we're looking for could be right there. It might not be anything that we're doing wrong that's keeping us from having that satisfaction that we're looking for. We might be doing everything right. And when the time comes for us to really walk in that awareness, to really walk in that peace of mind, that's when we realize that we have been walking in the shelter of the Most High all along. So that's just a little insight, you know, a little inside scoop for those of you who've been following the Nine Points podcast. Um, Most people that haven't heard the Nine Points podcast, once they are able to, you know, look, look for it and see it on different things, they'll see a really, really general statement about it. But for those of you that have been following the podcast, now you know the inside track of what it's about. And I really hope that you will, you know, uh, support support us, support really support us uh, by purchasing the, the novel and sharing the information with others. But that is the last announcement that I have. I'm looking forward to uh, putting this all together so I can post it and get ready to have another podcast next week. Um, everybody, get out and vote. Your vote counts. Um, I'm not going to say anything else except for it's important. Okay. It's important. And remember that regardless of what happens, when you utilize the fruit of the spirit, there is no law against it. So if I'm disappointed or if you're disappointed or if we're all disappointed with the results or how long it might take to get the results, if it comes to that, if I have the fruit of the spirit in my mind and in my heart. And if I use the fruit of the spirit, when I interact with my neighbors and my friends and strangers, then I'm not going to do something that's punishable by the law. And I might even be able to encourage somebody else who might be up in arms to kind of see the peace that God wants us to all have. So everybody remember wealth is to be spent and treasure is to be shared. God bless you.